Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 37, We Are in a War, Are You Acting Like It? This is part three, the final part of this series. Starting in Ephesians chapter six, uh, we'll just pick up at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So whether we like it or not, we are soldiers in a spiritual war. The first episode was about who we are, literal soldiers in a literal war of good versus evil. The next two episodes were part two, who is the enemy, Satan and his demons. And then today we're going into what is our purpose or our goal as a soldier in this war? What are, what are our orders that we have been given? I wanted to first let you guys know what happened today. I worked really hard, probably, you know, three, four hours working on this podcast uh, looking up Bible verses and such and saving it. And uh, then I put it on my flash drive, came in here to the studio and started to uh, pull it up and it was corrupted. I couldn't do it. It took me an hour and 40 minutes to find the, I think it's the XLM file with all the font graphics and stuff like that, that tells you how it was formatted. And I had to jump through some hoops to save the XLM file in a word document and then reopen it in my word processor and then delete all the font stuff to find the actual words of the podcast that I have today, the notes that I had taken. And it was, it was very difficult and very frustrating. And I just want you to know that uh, this actually fits with what we're talking about. The, the fact that we are in a spiritual war. And, and I don't know if it was just a weird computer glitch or if it was demons that were involved in this. But it very clearly was an attempt to get me to not be able to do this podcast. Uh, I'm about two hours late on getting this podcast done today. The last time I preached a sermon on Ephesians chapter six, I had something similar happen. It was all saved on the computer. And on Sunday morning when I was ready to go to the service to preach, um, I tried to print it out and it printed out a bunch of weird font wingdings type symbology and stuff that was extra large. And I think it was like over a hundred pages of this nonsense. Um, I couldn't get it to print and I struggled until it was time for me to preach and I still couldn't get it to actually print, even though I could see the words on the computer screen. So I had to actually just jot down a few notes and go down there and preach from my handwritten notes of what I had worked hard on all week. This type of thing is not unusual when we are in a spiritual war, demons, the Satan, this world fights against us. It is not uncommon to have them manifest themselves in our physical world in such a way that just seems like coincidence, right? So I feel like it has been an attack to prevent me from telling you this stuff, which is why I was going to do it regardless. But I finally was able to get it. And um, this is where we're at. So we are going to talk about our 
our purpose as soldiers in this war. All right. Number one, we are to free the enemy's slaves. Then we are to be a light in the dark world. And then we are to love God. Now, I've actually done this in reverse order, but let's go over freeing the enemy's slaves. That is a duty, our duty as soldiers. Uh, it is a normal task for an honorable soldier to have to basically save the people that your enemy has oppressed because the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So if Satan and his demons have enslaved people, then we naturally, as soldiers against Satan, would want to free those people, right? So Satan has actually attacked or is in the process of attacking humankind through sin. Remember, uh, as the serpent in the garden, he attacked uh, Eve and made her question God, right? And then got her to eat the fruit. So he got her to disobey God. His primary means of attack is to get us to sin and then use that as a gotcha. Aha, you're not worthy. And then he goes to God and he accuses us of being sinners. And that's the basic premise of this, of, of how he enslaves us. He uses sin as a way to entice us, to trap us, and to keep us from acknowledging who God is and asking forgiveness. So um, let's start in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, and they said, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. The son abides forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you will be free indeed. So he's saying the master is God. The son is Jesus Christ. And if the son makes one of the servants free, that's the same as the master of the house doing it. So Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So he's talking to Christians and he's saying, we've crucified that sinful body with Christ when he died on the cross, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Then verse seven, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So we're, we were in bondage and now we're free. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So we can be freed from sin by believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, paying the price for our sin. And then we can live as free people away from that death and destruction and the sin. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a human being, 
and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So that that focus on that last point. If we are dead to sin, we're no longer in bondage to sin, we have life in Christ. What is the purpose of that? It is to be spiritually minded and have life and peace. So we can actually bring peace in this spiritual war by helping people get free from their bondage. All right, we can bring peace to their life. And again, I understand it's Christ doing that, but we point them to Christ. Then in Galatians 4, starting in verse 3, it says, Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So this is the aftermath of that. Once somebody is free from sin, they're no longer a slave, that servant under bondage, right? Now they are an adopted child of God. And you've heard that phrase before, I'm sure. God not only frees us, but he makes us one of his children. Then in verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are not gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? So he's saying when you become a believer, don't go back to that bondage, that slavery. This is where God is telling us to go out as believers and help other people become believers so they can be free. Mark 16, this is Jesus talking. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's your marching orders right there. Go everywhere. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel to every person. And then you have what is called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So our primary duty as a soldier in this battle, in this war of good versus evil, is to go into the world and teach people the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can become free. They can leave the camp of the enemy and join the camp of light. That brings us to the next point. Our second job, not only to save the slaves of the enemy, But our second job as soldiers is to be a light in a dark world. It will bring people who seek truth to the light and knowledge of God. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you shine as a light of truth 
and goodness and the justice of God and peace and everything that is righteous, people will be drawn to that and they will see that you are different and they will come and find out why and be pointed to Christ, to God the Father, which is in heaven, and they will be able to be saved. Now, the second part of this being a light and a dark world, this is where the, it's really hard because as a soldier, the enemy will see your light and try to extinguish you. They will try to persecute you. So look at Acts 13, verse 45. It says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, people were coming out listening to the disciples. They were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it away from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turned to the Gentiles. So we came to you, you didn't want to hear it, so we're going to the, the rest of the people in the world. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So the point of this is, they did both things. They were a light in a dark world, right? spreading the truth of God and Jesus Christ. And people came, as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed, and yet the Jews came, contradicted them, blasphemed them, spoke against them, and were filled with envy. Speaking the truth and being a light in a dark world will bring people who want to put you down any way they can. So you have to be ready for that. And then the third thing that you have to do, our, our end goal is to love God. So I, like I told you at the beginning, I did this in reverse order. To love God is actually our first duty, not our third one. Because of our love for God, then we should be shining as a light of truth, a beacon, and pointing people to Jesus Christ who then can free them and give them eternal life. But we have a hand in it because we get to shine a beacon of truth into the world so that people can be drawn to Christ. We do this because of our love for God. Matthew twenty two thirty six. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So love God is the first and greatest. And the word used in the King James Version says great. But if you look at the Greek, it actually refers to the number one, the greatest commandment. Okay. And then the second commandment, love your neighbor. And then they ask, well, who's your neighbor? And it's anyone you come in contact with. Anyone you see is your neighbor. So we are supposed to love the people in this world. They are slaves to sin, maybe even serving Satan. And we are still supposed to love them because God loved them first. There's a whole lot in there about God loving people and us loving our enemies and everything else. But number one, the greatest commandment is we must love God. And then John 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is one of the biggest things that as soldiers, as believers in Jesus Christ, in God, in the Holy Bible, we actually have part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We cannot be filled with a demon. We cannot be possessed because we are already owned by God. We are on his side and he lives in us. So you'll hear people say, you know, accept Jesus into your heart. Well, they're kind of referring to this spiritual truth that we have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit that the world cannot see and doesn't know. And he is in us. So that's what people mean when they say that, oh, you've accepted Jesus into your heart. And as a soldier, having God literally in you, with you, fighting with you, makes you pretty much invincible on the spiritual front. There is never any reason to be afraid. If you love God and keep his commandments and you're a believer, you've got him with you just because you're a believer. Even when you mess up and you can't keep his commandments, he's still with you and he can forgive you if you ask for it. So, and then one of my favorite verses here is Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. After going over a host of problems in this world and persecutions and injustices, it says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. Fear God, keep his commandments. So what is our purpose or our goal as soldiers in this spiritual war? Number one is to love God, shine as a light in the dark world, and help free the enemy's slaves, other human beings that can be won over to our side. I would like to end with reading Ephesians 6 again. It's very important that you guys understand this and maybe even memorize this. This passage is amazing in helping us understand why things happen. Like when I tried to preach and the printer didn't work and spewed out pages of nonsense. Or when I tried to do this podcast today and I lost it. These coincidences, these things that happen in life that prevent you from doing good or push you to do the wrong thing. Or maybe something that's not as good as the best thing that you should do. These are not coincidences. These are actually part of the spiritual warfare that we are fighting. And you need to understand that. So Ephesians 6 verse 12 through 18. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints.
Next time, we're going to talk about how to wear and fight with this armor of God. Until then, may God bless you.